Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This is episode 41, Atari. As we probably all know, Atari has been an influence in anyone over the age 50s gaming, video gaming world. I plan on doing a group of podcasts over game companies, and that's going to include both board game as well as dice, you know, going into a video game. Obviously, they're the easy ones with some of the big guys. But I wanted to start with Atari because it was my first video game system. And I found it very interesting when I started researching and going through. And that's not considerably why it took me so long to get this podcast out. It's probably um, a lot of stuff going on still. And I've been focusing some other areas. I cleaned the garage. Anyone who's ever cleaned the garage knows we're there. All right. But let's step into it because Atari started out as Atari Inc. And then it became Atari Games and Atari Consumer Electronics Division. And then it was sold to Trammel Technology. And then it became Atari Corporation. And then it became a division of JT Storage. So that's Jack Trammel again. And then it was acquired by Hasbro and became Atari Interactive. Then Infogames got it, I-E-S-A. They buy Hasbro and keep Atari Interactive. Then they change, Infogames Incorporated, sorry, became GT Interactive and changed its name back to Atari Incorporated. Then IESA bought all the outstanding stock and renamed itself to Atari SA. Atari SA then tried to find bankruptcy and ICICB Group Partners became 50% owner. And then they opened a new company called Atari Chain LTD. Dot, dot, dot. So that's like 12 changes over the life of Atari, which is really interesting because you think of companies, oh, IBM, DuPont, uh, Ford, right, that have had one name. Maybe there's a bunch of others out there. But Atari has gone through so many changes. But it's a good reason it's gone through so many changes because it's been kind of at the forefront of a lot of video game. Um, But I want to step in and give a quick history lesson and we'll jump in a little dive deeper dive in history is the logo of Atari. If you can think of, I'm going to make you think right now, the Sega logo, the Nintendo logo, Xbox, pretty easy. PlayStation's pretty easy. How about the Midway logo? Midway, they created lots and lots of cabinet video games. Think about those logos, but, if I say the Atari logo, I bet you all know the Atari logo. You're thinking, oh, yeah, the Atari logo. Well, it stands for A. Or is it stand for A? Or does it? So the cool thing about it is this the history and our good friends at Wikipedia is always are fantastic with history. The Atari logo was designed by George Opperman, who was the first in-house graphic designer, and it was drawn by Evelyn Sato. And I'm going to say Sato. Sato. I hope I said Evelyn's name right because it's one of my favorite logos. Um, But it created it and made it to look like an A. So you have three prongs that resembles the players, midline of the court, and the company's first big hit game, Pong. Which is funny because I never played Pong until like very much later in, uh, in the game. I played it in the video game cabinet, but I never played it like at home on my TV. So let's talk a little bit about Atari. In 1971, Nolan Bushwell and Ted Dabney founded Syzygy. I hope I said that right, guys. No, I did. Um, And, you know, the design computer space, the world's first arcade video game. So this is like, you know, out there in video games. Um, 
then they incorporated into Atari and they brought in their first guy, Al Alcorn, and they decided to create a tennis game named eventually Pong. So creating the first game Pong. Now, at the same time, they created another company called Key Games by Nolan's next door neighbor, Joe Keenan. And what's cool about this is they did this because they couldn't get the pinball distributors to distribute all of their games in all the places. But with two of them, they could. So really smart, in, you know, ingenuity, innovative. They worked through it to develop some like exclusive deals. All right. So then in 1975, Atari's Grass Valley California subsidiary, Cyan Engineering, developed a console, or they started developing, and it was called the Video Computer System, which was then renamed to the Atari 2600, and if you are my age or over 50, you probably either had a friend who had one, you had one, or you knew of somebody who had one, and you finally got to see it, or you saw it in the store, and it was the biggest thing. I remember this console coming out, and it was just like, wow, it's so cool. And there's these cartridges and you put them in and the game plays and you can just put it on the back of the TV and you won't screw up the antenna. And if you did screw up the antenna in our house, really, really bad. But it was the coolest thing that came in this great, awesome box. It looked like a box that we'd have a train set in or a really, really expensive erector set, you know, an engineering set in or a chemistry set in. It was like, the size of the box to the toy when it came out in the 70s, it was kind of like if the box was big, it was going to be awesome, no matter what it was. Um, it, it, it was blew my mind when I saw it. And I remember seeing it and we couldn't have we couldn't get one, couldn't get one just because it was a major holiday. And we didn't have like two hundred dollars to buy a computer system for a, you know, seven year old to sit down and just jam out. Um, but the cool thing about it, we eventually got one. It, it contained you know, console, it had a couple joysticks, a couple paddles, and it had one game in it. And we're going to talk about that game in a minute. I'm not going to say that game, but it's a pretty cool game. It's actually one of my favorite games of all time as well, which that's hard to say because there's about a million of those. All right. But this is really pivotal for everyone because it was the first console. And, and mind you, there was ColecoVision and television out there, but they just weren't eh, they were great. They were cool, but they weren't like, woohoo. You know, everybody could get an Atari. They were $200. It was a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. And I think about the same thing about the Atari as I think about that time was the space shuttle, the Atari, McDonald's. Like McDonald's exploded and you would get these plates or these cups and like the before the Happy Meal toys. It was like you would go home and you'd have like my Grimace cup. And I had my Grimace cup and you no one else used the Grimace cup except for me except for when my brother figured out that I really wanted, then he'd steal it from me. But, you know, this is before we found, you know, we had a shuttle disaster and the, the hor horrific moment of that. And it was before we found out that styrofoam was bad and everybody was like, oh, and you had, you know, people were get putting TVs in their kids' rooms. You had one TV in your house and you had that. And, you know, parents would be like, oh, don't play this. And then they would start playing. It would be like, I remember my dad playing it. And my dad is probably... I think I've brought this up before. He's a staunch, doesn't really like video games. I mean, likes Wii bowling and stuff like that, which is fun. But the Atari was so neat and it and it was easy, right? You had a controller and you had an X, you know, or sorry, north, south, east, west, one button. You could figure it out pretty quick. The neater thing about it was all the time we'd been watching TV, we'd never really seen computer stuff, right? Like computers were, we're they're going to be interesting. 
but 8-bit graphics, and you know, if you look nowadays, 8-bit graphics are everywhere. You can get 8-bit graphic belt buckles and all this crazy stuff. It wasn't a big deal. But at the time, 8-bit graphics on your TV set in your house, man, we, we'd gone to the moon. Then we got video games. And video games are were one of the best things ever. I, I counter the Atari 2600, and I know people are going to be like, you got to be kidding, Mitch. To the Wright Brothers or the Model T, you know, out there just changing the world. They changed how we used a function in our house. They changed everything that we did in the house. All right. So there's my gush. Sorry about that. It, it, the cool thing about it is it got back to like everybody. They created careers. They created, created history. It created, you know, some of the most interesting concepts out there, right? It took us to a digital age, as they say it. I'm stealing a line from Tron there. All right. Eventually, at 2600, people were thinking, all right, we need to create something better. So they created a, a 400. Now, I never saw a 400 until I started looking at it. Um, and, you know, in 1980, I wasn't going to go get another, you know, a, a entertainment system. We, you know, we were, everybody was doing their own thing. Um, in 82, the 5200 came out. Everybody kind of thought about doing that. But the problem was, it wouldn't work with the 2600 game. So you get these cartridges. And now you had a bunch of useless cartridges. If you wanted to play the 5200, you got to go buy a whole bunch of new stuff. Marketing wise, somebody was like, oh yeah, people will do this. But at the same time, we were going in the eighties. There was a lot of distress, a lot of unemployment. So people weren't going through that, uh, you know, and it didn't have that many games. And then the, you know, apparently the controllers would break all the time. So one of the things I want to bring up is we've talked about reverse compatibility this was the first big time it came into play in video games. Now, it's happened a ton. And thank goodness folks like Nintendo and Microsoft and Sony have figured out like, hey, people want to go play games that they played when they were a kid. And now you can do those things. So hooray. But, you know, I, I begged my dad for a 5200. I'm like, dad, we need to get the 5200. It's going to be so much better than the 2600. And, you know, we got a uh, Apple IIe because my mom was an educator. Thank you, Apple, for giving us a awesome discount on that. Um, and please, if you could, bring back those discounts for teachers and students. I mean, and I mean, not just like, oh, here's 100 bucks off. I mean, like, give them big discounts because it changed my life. I, I programmed on it. I played on it. I wrote papers on it. I designed cards with print shop, my mother's favorite thing ever. But that, you know, Apple, if you're hearing, I doubt anybody's hearing it. All right. The other side of things was you would take games that were in the arcade, Pac-Man, uh, you know, Asteroids, I think that went, went over okay. But things like Pac-Man, and they didn't come over, and they looked weird. Right. Like Pac-Man on the on the Atari was like, uh, you know, and I remember somebody buying it. Let me borrow it and take it over to the house. And I was like, this is horrible. What the hell were you thinking about? You know, gee whiz. This is like ugh, no Pac-Man. But I'd fire Atari, you know, asteroids up and be like, woohoo. OK, so, you know, it was just at that time they were having some things. And then what's really kind of crazy about this is we went through what they would call the video game crash. And I'm going to talk about how we got there is. You know, Warner and Atari, Raymond Kassar, who brought success selling millions of these games. And then we had the 5200, right? Kind of uh, pulled things. And then you had other games that didn't work, like Pac-Man, that were weird. And 
you know, we had this game crash in 1983, which people probably today are like, oh, well, I don't know about that. If you don't know about that, look out. Because the losses totaled in $500 million for Warner. 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 I think we're not Warner Brothers, Warner Media. Oh, I said that before, didn't I? Uh-oh. Better go back and look at my notes. Da-da-da-da. Oh, maybe I didn't put it in there. Anywho, well, we learned something together. Anywho, under, you know, Warner and Atari kind of got together and, and they had this crash. The stock went from 60 to 20. So in 1983, $500 million is a lot of money. I got to go out and find out what it was. You know, big, big, big money. But the more important thing is while this was happening, they decided Ray Kassar, who was running the whole thing, resigned because they could not merge with Famicom. Now, anyone who knows Famicom, and we'll talk about them, is that connects into Nintendo. So think about this. Famicom's runaway success in in 1983, it became Nintendo, could have been Atari and Nintendo. Or Nintendo could have been Atari. This is crazy. This is a huge trivia question. You can say, hey, who did Atari almost buy Nintendo? Now, probably people who have listened to this podcast already know that because I told everybody when I was finding out about it. Um, but the implications of that are, oh, we have no Nintendo. Uh, no, Atari survives longer, stronger. With Nintendo, Sega could or could not be here. Right, Microsoft and Sony may not have released consoles. It's a kind of a crazy thought process around it. So, you know, Atari, the video game crash, changed how everything is. And I don't think it's for the better or for the worst. I think it's just different. So you could, you know, this would be a topic, would be a great topic, I would say, um, next time that the Penny Arcade Expo gets together, is have a topic. If Atari buys Nintendo, how does the world look? And get it from people in the industry, not me. I would have no problem uh, actually kind of, you know, emceeing that if anyone's listening. All right. So, anywho, Warner Communication then creates this NatCo, which is new Atari company. Which, because, you know, I'm buying all my video games from NatCo. NatCo, yeah. That's a lot of sarcasm there. Okay. But at this time... They really, really wanted Atari to become like a home computing and game company. And, you know, they they went after getting into that game system. They went into things like the Atari ST and they wanted to create an Atari 65XE, which was a whole computer system. And then they wanted to create a 2600 Junior and then a 5800, or sorry, 5800, 7800. That's 2,600, 5,200, 7,800. Woohoo! There is some people thinking about that. Now, with the junior coming out at that same time, you know, and this is, I'm a junior. In, <laughs> this is funny. I'm a junior. I'm also a junior in high school and the Atari Junior are uh, released. It actually, the, the 2,600 kind of had a, a, a reversion and a rebirth, not a reversion, I guess. A, probably a rebirth, not a reversion. Let's go with that. But it had a rebirth where it grew again and it became profitable. Except for at the same time, the Nintendo Entertainment System was now starting to take over the world. So you have the Atari, which we'd all played, but then we had something brand new in Nintendo. And I'm not really hammering Nintendo. I love Nintendo. 
In fact, we don't have any other console right now than a Switch and a uh, PS3. I've just decided that it's, you know, for me, my kids, we just need to be on happy, fun games like Animal Crossing and Mario and et cetera. But looking at that, you know, Atari had always kind of been there and it came back with with the Junior. And what was interesting is they released the Atari Lynx. The problem is, is it had a shortage of parts. So right now, this is actually occurring in our day right now where, you know, microprocessors have slowed down because we can't make microprocessors a factory due to COVID. Well, couldn't get the parts for the Atari Lynx. What's crazy about it is the Game Boy just took over. Although the Game Boy had a black and white display, was cheaper and didn't have, or sorry, wasn't cheaper and didn't have as good a battery life. So you have a color with a better battery life and it's cheaper, but we can't build it. And it kind of really killed the links. And I wanted a links because I was like, oh my gosh, a color video game I can hold in my hand. Nowadays, we're all like, oh, I have a cell phone for that. You're darn right you do. But at the time, we had giant boom boxes. We had giant computers. We had TVs that were so heavy, you need like three people to move them. If you wanted to move them, anything over a 19 inch you wanted to move, it was crazy. But at the same time, you know, Atari's trying to get back, become relevant, not just profit off its success. Now, what's really sad about it is, is, you know, newer, better beats kind of the older established. That happens a lot. So that, you know, it's in the 80s. So anywho, really moving everything over inside of the PC market also really hurt Atari. And the sad part of it is Atari came out of this because the PC boom, the Wintel boom kind of just crushed all of Atari's system. Um, This is where we say the technology boat gets missed. So Atari had these opportunities. They just weren't ready for them. And Atari could have been ready for them. Mind you, there were a lot of slowdowns. There were different things. And we're going to talk about a couple of things that happened in here. All right. So let's talk about the new age of Atari, year 2001. Reinvents Atari, reinvents some new games, including Trans World Surf, which is a really cool game if you've ever played it. If you haven't, go out and find it. Go play it. It's pretty cool. And then they started going after older folks, folks that are in our age, right? They went after us with the games like Neverwinter Nights, Stuntman, Enter the Matrix, things like that. Really cool stuff. Now, again, they went back. Info games decided to switch everything around, create retro consoles. Everybody's kind of loved those retro consoles. They also have portable consoles that you can buy. And then they've really moved at this point into the point where they're now selling, uh, the, you know, the apps on your phone or app, you know, you can buy a, a, an Atari pack from for your Switch, your Xbox, your PlayStation. Now, what's also kind of neat is at one point, Atari wanted to get in the MMORPG. So these massively multiplayer online RPG games. They kind of missed the boat again a little into that because they decided they acquired Cryptic Studios in 2008. Well, most of those games were already created. Um, Or after they sold, they created some of those other games that were created. So Star Trek Online had been created. Um, City of Heroes and Villains had been created. So Atari thought, oh, we can do this. Anyhow, couldn't do it. 
almost to the end of our history lesson, I promise. I was going to do a whole different, crazy go down the deep end of this, but I want to talk about some games. Um, but so they had these games that basically came out and they just decided at some point Atari created the VCS again, the video game console. It was something that you could just set and plug into your computer. And now you have the Atari VCS.com. It's pretty interesting looking. Um, it's Linux based. We'll see. I'm kind of like, eh, maybe. All right. So with that, they've also decided that they got into the gambling industry or casino industry and they're going to open some hotels, Las Vegas, Denver, Chicago, Austin, Seattle, San Francisco, and San Jose. I'm really excited about the Seattle one because it's close and I can go hang out there. But think about this. This is the homage to Atari. The video game system came out. We bent our thumbs back. It was the first time that we had hit a button a million times faster at home in our houses. It then tried to go after the computer industry. Failed came back into us and it's really became something nostalgic. It's something that's fun. It's something that I enjoy. I will never, ever, ever forget about Atari. All right. So let's jump into the games. My favorite Atari game is Pitfall. It's probably everybody's favorite game because it's like the biggest selling game forever. But Pitfall, it was designed by David Crane in 1982. And the player, you control Pitfall Harry and he has to jump over alligators and pawns and he swings and you have a certain amount of time to do it and you get eaten by an alligator you restart and it's basically 20 minutes and you go and there are treasure types and you've got to find 32 of them the perfect score is 114,000 um again basically david sat down with a piece of paper created a stick figure boom there's pitfall harry and now we live in infamy with that. Um, Pitfall actually had a couple of versions of it. It was released on other game systems, which is kind of cool, like the Commodore 64, ColecoVision Television. It, it was very, very, very interesting because this was the first game that, like, if you're, all your friends could play, right? You could all kind of play through it together. The other neat thing is it did very side-scrolling on your screen. So instead of going, you know, we've talked about vertical or horizontal, this is one of those games that was you played side scrolling all the way through the game and you would have to go through multiple levels and there were ups and there downs. It was close to being an arcade game. Really, really cool. It also had a bunch of, you know, sequels, Pitfall 2, Pitfall 3D, it, it, just really one of those just fun, fun, fun games that you could play. I can't gush enough over Pitfall. It was so cool. It was, you know, orange with the green and there were crocodiles and you had to be precise about it. And if you failed, you had to start over and the music was great. And it, it was just one of those games that we loved. If you've never played Pitfall, if you don't have a, a you know, one of the VCS and you can buy them now for like $49. If you want to really torture your kids during COVID, you can fire that up and unplug whatever video game and say, let's rock and roll. Let's play some event. We'll talk about the next game in a second or pitfall, or let's go and play some yards revenge or something really, really. But pitfall was that original awesome game. It was so much fun when it came out. I still remember it. I even in art class painted the cover. It was one of my favorite games. It is, uh, it is on my iOS. I just, I could gush over Pitfall for a few days. All right. Now, the second game was the cartridge you got. Now, I didn't say that earlier. I didn't talk about the cartridge. But if anybody had an Atari, you knew what cartridge I was talking about. And that cartridge is Combat. 
Combat was the pivotal game in our house because it settled arguments. It was fun to shoot my dad's tank and him not to get angry about it. It was fun to play with my friends. You could play like if you had four or five friends, you play whoever loses next, you know, somebody picks up winner keeps playing. What's really amazing about combat is that it was kind of put together. Like it was, it was put together of two games, tank games and jet airplane games. So let's talk a little bit about the history. So the cool thing, I think I said it already, 27 modes. The tank games had these bouncing balls, tank pong, and invisibility, which is so funny because you'd be like trying to figure out where you were and you'd have to shoot and you're like, ah, somebody's going to get me. It had biplanes and jet games so you could play, you know, biplanes are cool because they're, you know, historical. You play jet planes, which are cool because they're awesome. Um, You had a squadron that would fight against one bomber, which is amazing. And you had this and actually it created this uh, one game that was created just for Sears called Tank Plus. Now, combat was pro programmed by Larry Wagner and a guy I used to swim with out at the Issaquah 24 hour fitness. And if Joe ever listens to this and I never had any idea until I researched this, but Joe DeCour, who also has worked in several other places and he created combat, he created the game and I got to swim next to him and we would have chats about video games. It was just the coolest guy ever. So meet your heroes. It is awesome. But they created the combat. And combat's tank game was really kind of fun. Because like I said before, you had tank pong, you had guided missiles, you could play with barriers, without barriers. You could get shot across the screen. <laughs> if you got if you're up next to a wall and you got shot, you'd move across the side of the screen, which would potentially give you an ability to just shoot the other guy immediately. It, it was just such a fun game, the tank games. By playing games, same way. You would just, you know, the same, unlike, you know, the tank, you could basically fire, you know, three shots. You have these, you know, single missiles that you could fire. You can have a guided missile that you moved and hit the other tank and you have machine guns. So, you know, again, you have tank and you're bouncing around and everything. Awesome. Then jets, very similar to biplanes. Now combat was the original game we all played. If you got an Atari, the first thing after you hook that little thing up in the back with the two screws and you switched it to game and you put the cartridge in and you turned it on combat shot up. It was the moment of bliss. Unless your mom and dad bought you like 20 games, which you're rich and haha, I wasn't and none of my friends were. So we got the cool stuff and all the cool memories and you had a lot of games. Lucky for you. Um, Combat did come out with a second game and it had a 3d remake as well. Um, this was the greatest game of my childhood. It was so cool. I love combat to this day. I love playing with my kids because it is something we can just play. It is fun. It's blocky. It's 8-bit. You know, it's it's not as exciting as new games, but to quote Xander Cage, uh, that would be the, uh, the person Vin Diesel played in the movie Triple X, which is not a dirty movie, Mom. But it's like, you know... Combat, it was the only education we got, and it was great. So thank you again, Joe. Thank you, Larry. You made it awesome. Now, any discussion about a Atari game system and the Atari games would have to be remiss without talking about the E.T. extraterrestrial game. So let's start out with E.T. This is the most infamous game. It is considered the worst game ever. I think that's horrible. Let's think of it as maybe not the favorite game. 
but E.T. is based off the 19, you know, it's a 1982 adventure games based off the movie. It's similar, but here, check this out. This is why when people's like, Oh, this game's horrible. They were given five weeks. Scott Warshaw was given five weeks to develop a game. Okay. I want everyone on the right now to think about you get five weeks and you have to program a game. That's not going to go well. It was rushed. It's an interesting game. It's a cool concept, but at Urban Legend, it was overproduced. And I'm talking overproduced by millions upon millions of games. Uh, like, I think it sold a couple hundred thousand and they made three million of them. The gameplay was kind of odd. You fall down into these holes. You try to find things. The agent guys find you. Elliot tries to bring you back. The little plant. You collect Reese's Pieces. I mean, it was just basically the the, show, the movie. Um, it, it was, you know, everybody thought it was going to be great. You know, they were thinking, oh, we're going to sell so many games of this. Again, a lot of them got sent back. And it actually is considered the reason why the video game crash occurred. It was compared to things like Donkey Kong and Frogger. And it was like, those games are legendary. And it was like, well... It doesn't look good. It's not as much fun. Okay. So effectively, yay, it kills the video game crash. It really hurts Atari at the same time. Now with this, they buried, and this is the urban legend, they buried a bunch of these cartridges. Now they buried a bunch of Atari cartridges. Um, somewhere in, I think it was outside of El Paso or it's in New Mexico. And eventually people dug it up and it was like this whole Geraldo Rivera thing. Hey, great. Um, eventually people re, you know, tried to fix the game. Full disclosure, the AT movie freaked me out. So I wasn't really going to watch this because Close Encounters had done its duty on me. ET was there. I played it when I got older. It was entertaining. I thought it was good. So we'll give it that. Sorry, ET. All right. So that was Atari. We're going to come back with another game company. I haven't decided which one yet, but I'm it's going to be a fact. Some of the ideas on those game companies, sorry, there's a little pause there because I got over the 30 minute, but some of the ideas are Nintendo, Sega, um, ColecoVision, Intellivision, and then going into Hasbro, Milton Bradley, looking at different games, companies that created games, talking a little bit about how they were created. Um, and I really want to make sure that this is kind of a, uh, a new step because I'm still trying to figure out what, what this podcast is going to be. I think it's information. Um, I want to put some new games in there. But I am going to tell you, if you're really bored right now and you haven't played Atari in a long time, and let's say you have some disposable income, if you do, great. If you don't, find someone you know who might have one of these or reach out and say, hey, does anybody have a old Atari system? And maybe they're on eBay for like 20 bucks. And I'm not talking the old cartridge. They have ones that have like 80 games on them. Grab it and sit down and play. If you have kids, this is something different than TV because your kids are going to realize that your childhood, you're taking them back to your childhood when things were very interesting, right? We had one TV in the house. Somebody had to go up behind it and unplug it and plug it back in, you know, or turn on the, the switch that connected to the TV so that it would take the the digital signal and switch it to analog for the TV. You had to switch to the right channel, all that stuff. It would be so much fun to be able to go back and have that like kind of connector to do that. Most TVs don't have that anymore, but 
you know, this is something that you could talk about with your kids and it's historical and it's interesting and your kids are going to go, wow, video games are so much easier and cooler and less difficult to play. And dad, please quit destroying me at combat. Okay. Well, let's switch over to jet planes. Quit doing it there too. You can take your kids back to your childhood with this. I loved Atari. It was sad to learn about a lot of the stuff that happened with the company. I think Atari brought us all out of our video game shells hundreds of, you know, thousands of years ago. I'm kidding. hundred thousand hours ago playing video games. Uh, but it really brought us out of our shells. And it, you know, for me, it was something I actually was pretty good at. I was interested in. And then later in life, I tried to make my own games, which was fun. And I learned a lot from Atari. And I think we could all learn from the Atari moment is one, try not to do everything as a company. And I'm not talking about like, you know, Microsoft because they do, they have different divisions, but Atari tried to create a PC and a game. They tried to own the digital space. And I think that's the big mistake with Atari. So with that, play Atari games with your kids. Uh, Atari, you'll always be with us. Please open your hotel in Seattle first so I can go see it and point at stuff and go, oh my God, Centipede, ah, combat. Um, no, I'm kidding. And I'm not really actually. But, you know, think about the legacy of, of something. Don't, you know, the newest, we're always like the newest, awesome, fat, fanciest. Go back and enjoy some Atari. All right. Since the gamers over 50, we've talked about, like I said, kind of the other companies I'm going to think about talking about. I'm going to sit down, do some research. It may take me, a, I promise it won't take me a month to do this again. But I have been, I have been, great stuff has been happening. We've been doing some really good stuff and getting home stuff done. So uh, I promise not to take as long as I did these last couple of times. I'm blaming COVID. We can all blame COVID. All right. So enjoy some games. Go out. Find the Atari on your phone, on your iPad, your tablet, your computer. Go find an old console system. And remember... E.T. wasn't the worst game ever. There are no worst games ever. So enjoy.